0: Hello and welcome to episode 286 of Constructed Comics, a podcast building stories, one page, one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Don Wynn and Aaron Lindenthaler, creators of Retro Number 1, Hero or Villain, now on Kickstarter. This is Matt and I'm joined by Constructed Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us on the the podcast. Let's do as we normally do. We ask for two things. We ask for a quick bio and an elevator pitch for the book. Okay.
1: Okay. I'm Aaron. Um, By day, I'm uh, an editor for TV and film, uh, mostly in the reality world, but occasionally on the scripted side of things, too. Um, But um, my real passion is just telling stories with words, and I've teamed up with uh, Don Nguyen, and we are doing a story called Retro. Retro is a drifter who can't remember anything except for this, his connection to this terrible crime, and he's not sure how he's involved. He's not even sure if he's the good guy or the bad guy of the crime, and he has this device that's embedded in his arm that enables him to go back in time for short spurts. So he just ver- he uses it to try and figure it all out. The problem is that the more he presses it, the more time he can go back, but the more pain it causes and the more mixed up his memories become. So it's sort of a double-edged sword. And he, along the way, he finds out that, that this crime involved the abduction of a little kid who he learns is his son. And so it's really a father figuring out what he can do to get his son back.
0: That sounds super cool. And Don, um, let's uh, let's do a quick bio uh, for you. You're a returning guest to the podcast. You know, we had you on the talk. Uh, Cthulhu is hard mm-hmm. to spell, but uh, let's uh, let's let's do a bio for you.
2: I'm Don Win. I'm a comic book artist, uh, designer. Some people might know me for helping out Jerry Conway on the Skulls for Justice campaign. Some people might know me from doing sketch cards for Upper Deck and Marvel. And a lot of people might know me also from Inktober and from being on a lot of Kickstarter. Retro is <laughs> my 16th Kickstarter campaign that I've been involved with and uh, hope we're looking forward to its funding. And once that happens, uh, all my projects combined will have across the $200,000 mark.
0: Very cool. And so had you guys um, worked together, been friends previous to uh, deciding to come together and be a team on a comic? Uh, How did that the the team form up?
2: Uh, Yeah. Do you want to tell a story or should I tell a little bit of the story, Aaron?
1: I'll start it and then I'll pass it to you. (laughs) Okay. All right. So um, I was working on a reality show called Workout for Bravo Channel. And I was working with uh, Don's wife, Zelada. And so Zalata and I became great friends. And so through Zalata, I became friends with Don. And I like to tell this story where uh, Don came over to my house and I have a, had a four-year-old son, Truman, and he had one of those Etch-a-Sketches that has a little stylus on it. And I didn't know much about Don. And he's picking it up and he's doing a little drawing and it's a frog and oh my God, it looks just like a frog. And I'm like, wow, this guy is great. And we became Facebook friends. And I started uh, following his daily doodles. Is that what you were calling them, Don, at the time?
2: Yeah. So I, ran a, I used to run a sketch blog where I did a drawing every day from my phone uh, just to improve my abilities. And I would post that. So it was a daily sketch blog or a daily doodle sketch blog.
1: Yeah. And they were fantastic. And I loved them. And um, I had come up with this idea for retro and I had written just a a scene that several people had told me was good. (laughs) And so I thought, you know, it'd be cool to uh, do what what we call an animatic, um, which is sort of like sketches put together. And I said to Don, hey, Don, could you, would there be any way that you could use your, you know, daily doodle to sketch out some storyboards for me? And so
2: that's that's basically how it started, right, Don? Yep. Uh, yeah, so I just did real rough storyboards. Um, and, you know, I actually got started uh, doing storyboards and concept art for people from my phone. So yeah, I just did these storyboards for Aaron and then he loved them. And he asked this really weird question, uh, which was if I could finish the storyboards. So usually in storyboards, the most you'll see is fine storyboards, like fine pencil storyboards. But he actually had me... Uh, ink and color them and i did it in tone because he was going to animate them and sure enough he took them animated them into a motion comic essentially uh and made it into a short film which got into the longest standing uh film festival in los angeles which is dances with films uh we got in there in 2019 debuted at the famous uh hollywood chinese theaters and uh friend reno wilson saw it and really lit up and took to it. And we, we actually had a really great crowd response. But uh, Reno was like, hey, this is dope. I want to be in this live action. And so, uh, you know, I think that really got your gears going, Aaron. Yeah. Because you also thought of this originally as expanding the animated short into a comic book, but then you decided to do both at the same time.
1: Yeah. So Reno's enthusiasm Reno is an actor who is. Most people know from shows like um, Mike and Molly and Good Girls. And he loved the idea of playing retro. It was sort of uh, an opportunity for him to bring out his inner kick ass. And um, so we ended up shooting a live action short version of the animated film. And uh, we finished uh, that up with some help with a lot of friends. And we're currently showing it around to people in Hollywood and entering it into um, live action film festivals, And so we're just waiting to hear what happens with, with that. And um, Don and I had all re- always been talking about, you know, expanding the story. Because when you see it in a very short little period, you just get a little glimpse of it. And we have this whole world you know film noir kind of world with back alleys and you know puddles and briefcases and you know and time travel and so we just really wanted to expand the story and we felt like the comic book was a real opportunity for us to do that.
0: Noah do you you have a question for the guys?
3: Yeah I was just curious about the influences on on retro from the beginning, like what was this sort of elevator pitch that you gave to Aaron, to, to Aaron sorry, that Aaron gave to Don? So I was asking Aaron this question, what, were the, what was the elevator pitch that you gave to Don on this?
1: Right, so it, initially it sort of just started off as the idea that wouldn't it be cool if there was a character? So when, as a writer, you always think about um, the villains and the villains always think that they're the hero of their own story. And I think that's a really cool way to look at villains because you know Thanos isn't doing it because he's just a bad guy. He actually believes that what he's doing is in some sick way helping the, the worlds and the universe and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And so um, I always thought that that was more interesting. And then I started thinking, well, what if there was a character who wasn't really even sure if they were the hero or the villain of a story? That would be kind of fun to tell. And he's trying to figure it out as he goes. So that was sort of the, the nut that, that started it all um, for Don and I. And then as we went further, we started developing more of the story and other themes and stuff like that that have motivated us to keep going.
3: That's awesome. And, and Don, I see on the Kickstarter that this sort of like the, the, the little blurb, like you're like films like Memento or, or, or stuff like uh, Ed Brubaker's Criminal were you looking at a lot of that or have you always been sort of inspired by that? Or were you looking at a lot of that kind of art and that kind of film when you were drawing it?
2: Uh, The way Aaron pitched it to me was he was really looking for a noir feel. And I feel like, you know, when you look at uh, the work that uh, Sean Baker, right. And, uh, ed, ed brubaker uh sean phillips ed ed yeah yeah the names mixed up since yeah sean phillips and ed brubaker put out uh, you know it really lends itself to that quality you know it's like uh brian and michael bendis and Omin, and you know like the stuff that darwin cook or michael cho does that really sort of vintage feel or what uh you know porn suck uh Pichetzote, i can't pronounce his name pitch sote is doing right now with uh the good asian so you know we we wanted to sort of be in that chiaroscuro uh, and, you know, the way Aaron wanted to see it was in this really sort of gray tonality uh, where we're not exploring necessarily the black or the white, but those gray areas. um, And that's how the art came about. And I use those as touchstones because, you know, in in the way that Aaron described it, those are the things that I immediately thought of. So, you know, uh, we were talking about pitching earlier. My quick elevator pitches, think of it as Jason Bourne, meets Looper or if you don't know those movies think of it as Taken meets Memento with a little bit of time travel thrown in and that's probably the best way to describe it just right off the bat to somebody mm-hmm. um, and ultimately like Aaron says it is a father-son story it's a story about parental relationships and parental love and what some a parent or a person is willing to go through for a child that they love um and I, I think it's it's a phenomenal story uh you know we already have the first issue done ellie wright uh you know he's done immortal red Sonia, batman the shadow uh you know just an amazing colors she's finishing up some edit notes for, from us uh right now and then jérôme Gagnon is essentially actually done with lettering. He just has a few minor edits to go through as well. And know uh, the book will be on its way. And we've already thumbed through issue two because of how Aaron's script is. Um, you know, I essentially sat down uh, and just thumbnailed through it. And we found a really good point break point where we could end the story and set it into the next issue. Um, and so we're really looking forward to that. And we're looking forward to see how uh, the audience enjoys the story and the book that we've created.
0: So, Aaron, you have this background in, like, you know, film uh, and television. Uh, were you a lifelong, like, comics reader? Um, did you have any sort of experience there? Because I'm thinking that, like, um, you know, there's a certain transition you have to take when, you you know, something is maybe looked at as a screenplay, and then you bring it to, to, to comics form. So what's your background with comics, and were there any sort of hurdles, you know, Maybe thinking of this as, you know, with your your film and television and transitioning it to comics.
1: Right. I was never actually a diehard comic book fan as a kid growing up, um, unless you count um, Elfquest. Um, that, that was something that I loved in high school. And, you know, I was a big Dungeons and Dragons fan. So I grew up with a kind of an art aesthetic that, you know, lends itself to comic books and especially what Don does. And I think that I am a big fan of art in general. So that I really like, but as a writer, you know, it can be challenging when you're making the switch from film and television to comics, because, you know, um, comic books are obviously a medium in which people flip through it. And if the art looks cool, then they'll take a chance on it, you know? And so that's the first thing that people think about. And it's really important that the artist has an opportunity to fully bring their vision to the world. And so when you're writing a screenplay for a director, it's a little bit like that. But I would say it's even more so for a comic book because you want to give enough details that they have an idea for, you know, what your vision is and what you're seeing. But you don't overload them with so many details that they don't feel like that they can add their own voice, their own artistic vision to it as well. And so I think there's a little bit of a, well, at least for me, there's a little bit of a learning curve when it came to that, you know? And, you know, luckily Don and I are friends and so it was easy. But I think that, um, you know, I read a lot of, of comic book scripts and um, got a, you know, What's interesting too is in my opinion, like for film and television, there's a very strict format for how scripts are written. And it's a little open, little fuzzy for how scripts are supposed to be written for comic books. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, Marvel might, might want it one way and, you know, other people write it a completely different way. So it's a little bit open to your own interpretation, which is fun, too. But I, I you know, there's a little bit of a learning curve, in, but I enjoyed it and I really like it a lot
0: so don as somebody who had a little bit more experience was there ever a time where you're like you know maybe this would be better as a page turn or you know the panel count is a little high for me here i'm starting to get a little itchy that i can fit all of this stuff in like were there ever times oh, that, that
1: stuff, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yes
2: uh
0: you know aaron like he,
2: like he was saying uh, there was quite a bit of a learning curve from it. I really felt like he took it to it just like you know, a duck to water. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a matter of getting him to understand page turns and panel counts a little bit and what you could do within a panel, you know, like a nine gritter versus just like your standard six or five panels. Um, and then for him to imagine like how we would break out of the panel and like come in. And, you know, the onus at that point was really on me just to execute uh, the sequentials. But yeah, just to, just to have him know kind of what the possibilities are with working with me. And then, you know, the way I, I talked to him about it, too, was for him, in the event that I couldn't continue with the book, he also has to think about how he's going to write it uh, for another artist to step in because – you know, as we all know, if you're on a long running series, you might not have the same artist uh, for a long period of time mm-hmm. and even writers can switch. So things need to be interchangeable and, and, you know, for him to continue on to the industry, that's a good thing to think about, I think. But yeah, he, he really did a great job with it and it didn't take much prodding. I mean, there, there are always moments of uh, contention. I feel like between an artist and a writer when you're you know so closely collaborating on a project and that's good. Like, you should have those moments because you want to bring out the best of the project. And thankfully, I feel like Aaron and I are both open to feedback and constructive criticism and bouncing ideas off of each other to figure out where things should go. Um, and I, I, I hope that once you guys get this book in your hands, you're really going to enjoy what we've done with it and, uh, you know, hopefully see something that you haven't seen before in uh, some other comics.
0: So Don, I know that you said that, um, you know, you, you were sort of early on, it was um, the the digital sketches on your phone and 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 then some thumbnails um, with do you work digitally like all the time Were you, you know, sending thumbnails pencils um, inks uh, to Aaron at various stages of the production. Oh, yeah, we're in
2: a Dropbox together, so he gets to see everything real-time. So as soon as something gets uploaded, he gets to see it. But, yes, I do primarily work digitally. Uh, Of course, I work analog, but, you know, digitally just saves on paper. Don't have Mm -hmm. to worry about that cost. But, yeah, I do all my thumbnails from my phone, um, and then we upload that, and, you know, we'll go back and forth a little bit about, you know, whether or not the sequence works um, and, you know, whether or not I need to change it. Uh, And I think, you know, we we are open – uh, to that with each other's styles. And then, uh, yeah, it would go to finish right after that. And, I, I, you know, I think they put this book together fairly quickly because, uh, you know, we had finished the pencils and the inks last year. Uh, and then this year, primarily, it was to put together a pitch package uh, early in the year, and we did 10 pages for that. Um, and, yeah, we just got really antsy of waiting because I'm sure you guys – as both publishers and creators, you guys understand how long that process can take for waiting around for a publisher. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had a couple of bites, but you know, one was off in the UK and I don't even know what the situation was with the other one, but it was just, it came down to, we didn't want to wait and we really wanted to get it out there because the animated short had already been released. Aaron uh, was working, almost finished with the, the live action short, and we felt like we wanted to package it all together so that people could see all the pieces and how they fit. And you can only do so much with a, with a short film. You know, you got maybe five or 10 minutes. Uh, I think both of ours are about five or six minutes. Yeah. Um, and we really wanted to expound and embellish on the story of the world that Aaron's built. And he's added a lot of depth to it um, in an amazing short amount of time.
0: Aaron, I think you were about to say something, but before that round of questioning, do you, do you remember what you were going to say?
1: I do not. Oh, okay. No no, no worries.
0: It'll probably <laughs> come back to, to you soon. I've
1: lost it. Retro has. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so Noah, um, how about a, a question from, from you for the, for the guys?
3: Yeah, I'm just, I'm just glued to looking at the preview pages on the Kickstarter Don and I'm just loving the gray tones and everything on it. So I'm, uh, I, I was curious about like finding a colorist because I'm like oh man I'd read a comic that's just this cool gray tone right here um yes, you art. Know, Oops, yeah sorry, so no no I'm just gonna ask you you know how much like uh, did you did, have you worked with this colorist before or is this something that like you know you had to like go through a couple people to make sure that it fit your art really well
2: Well, actually all the pages that you see on the Kickstarter page, uh, I did. Yeah. Um, And then it was a matter of just, you know, looking for somebody that I I could trust. And Ellie always comes highly recommended through friends. She's worked with uh, David Avaloni, obviously on Penny Page and Elvira. And then she worked with my buddy Juan Ponce, who uh, recently dropped 33. So, you know, uh, just, just based on word of mouth alone, uh, I, I knew we could trust her and, as soon as she started turning in pages, uh, we were like, Oh my God, this looks fantastic. Uh, so uh, unfortunately for us, you know, Aaron is still in that place uh, and I'm still in a place where, you know, we, we didn't necessarily pay attention to the script. So there was some stuff there uh, that we had to get addressed from her. And that's about it. Uh, other than that, you know, it's just one of those things it's always good to work with people, you know, uh, and people, you know, that, have been referred to by your colleagues and I'm sure you guys have had that experience with uh you know letters and colors it's just you know I I, I, think the community is small in a way we don't necessarily know everybody but we know enough people where if you need a hand just reach out ask for help and somebody's bound to jump in and, uh, you know, help out with that. But yeah, she's fantastic. If you guys need colors, let me know. I know a few other fantastic people as well uh, that do just amazing, incredible work.
1: What and, do you guys think? Do you guys like the idea of a comic book that has a lot of gray tones to it?
3: Yeah, I do. Well, I like I, I liked the, the style of the covers that you guys have, where it's just the monochromatic black and white with the splashes of blue. Mm-hmm. I really like that. So I was curious. I was like, I wonder if the rest of the book's going to look like that, the black and white. Yes. Is that sort of the style you're going with is just sort of have it be very monochromatic with just those like bright flashes of primary colors? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. So we're doing flashbacks in sepia tone. And then the entire story is primarily it it actually is all black and white with spot coloring. And as you know, spot coloring that makes the book full color. Uh, so, but that's the, that's what Aaron had described to me um, in terms of how we did the project originally with the storyboards. He was like, I want it to look like a vintage noir, like give it that feel. But, you know, obviously it's uh, a modern tale uh, and modern storytelling. So, you know, if you, you're you going to get a chance uh, at one of the levels that starts where you will get a chance to see the original animated short, um, which... I really love. And every time I look at it, I, I can't believe you know we got a chance to see it on screen. And then from there, there's going to be a higher tier where you're going to actually join us for a virtual screening and get to see the live action. And you get to see how that lines up and then how each of the projects is their own compartmentalized thing, how they differ from each other, which I, I think is a very fascinating thing to see as well. Because when it comes to comic book uh, properties, I actually like when properties diverge and take on a life of their own. So I like I like it when you know a Spider-Man movie isn't exactly like the comics, but you know carries carries that that ideal that essence of the original property and builds upon it. Um, hopefully, bringing something better to it. Um, and that's not to argue one way or the other which one is better and which one isn't. But you know I, I like to see that nuance in the different projects. And I believe the audience here, uh, once you back and support at the various levels, we'll get to see that.
3: That's so cool. Yeah. I I agree completely with that. And I was going to ask actually off of that, Mm -hmm. you know, you've had a short film, you've had a live action film. And I was wondering with Reno being involved in this, uh, I don't know how close your relationship is with him, Don, but are you able to call him up and be like, Hey, I need this angle right here. You know, like, (laughs) For for photo reference or anything, are you are you are you like looking through either his IMDb or just Google Photos, or are you able to like call and be like, hey, I need this, I need this uh, low angle shot of you right now. If you could send it over my way, actually, uh, f- the opposite way. Yeah,
1: that Don sends us angles and we shoot it based on what Don. Oh has wow! <laughs> so lots of times, like. For, yeah, you know, and I've learned a lot from, every time you do a story you and you work through it, you get better and better at it. And so having written the original scene, which then became the animated version, which then became the live action, which then became the, the comic book. And in the comic book version, this is like a small thing, but one of the things that, that I realized from Dawn in the live action he has uh, the main character has this metal briefcase and you don't really know what's in there and he doesn't really go into it and at, you know in the in the opening fight sequence it gets knocked out of his hands and tumbles behind him but it dawns like no 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 we need that we need he needs that uh, briefcase to use as a weapon you know and boom 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 he fights with it and it becomes like a thing and so and that's really cool and if i were to reshoot the short again You know, that briefcase wouldn't go tumbling right off the beginning, it would be an opportunity to, you know, not just a really small thing but, and that applies, you know, when you get to redo these things that applies to everything from not just, you know, the props and stuff like that but just the, the deeper themes and the stories and the order that you tell things and how you develop a character and stuff like that too. So a, a lot of it came, you know, Don's are you know, very modest, but he's a really good story guy. And we've talked about a lot of things and Don will say something like, um, you know, like we have this one uh, character who gets, who's a kid and some terrible things happen to it. It's just kind of a minor character. And Don's like, hey, Aaron, that'd be really cool to bring back that kid as a villain in another issue or something <laughs>
2: like that and I'm like
1: oh yeah man that's a great give it, idea. Give it all, all away <laughs> yeah, uh,
2: cool. but yeah you know that's that's the other part you guys were asking about earlier which is the collaboration element for the comic and you know even it surprised me being the guy who did the original storyboards that there were scenes that we could not choreograph the same way as they played out in the storyboards in the original, uh, you know, screenwriting uh, script, in the original screenplay script. Um, And, you know, looking at it, just like, this doesn't make sense sequentially. This, we can't tell this as a comic book. Like, this is not going to look right. Uh, So, you know, we had to go back and rejigger those scenes, or (laughs) I I had to go back and rejigger some of the scenes Uh, you know, in terms of the thumbnails and be like, hey, Aaron, what do you think about this? And then he's like, we can work with this. And then, you know, he would go and edit and like rewrite it. And then maybe we would, I'd go back in and tweak the thumbnails a little bit. And even from that point, like he said, you know, we would get moments of just inspiration for, you know, storytelling laid down the lines. I think, uh, you know, Aaron's, you've, you've diverged a lot because he's also doing the novelization of this uh, in terms of where the comic is going. You've come up with new ideas and expanded on, you know, different little uh, strands of storytelling that you weren't necessarily thinking about before, like you said.
1: Right. So sometimes little details that I didn't think about before are really important, you know? Maybe a scar on his hand, you know, was a minor detail that I didn't really care about in the first version but as i expanded into this novelization i'm realizing oh we are going to go into that a little bit don make sure there's a scar on his hand you know that (laughs) kind of thing so yeah it's kind of fun
3: that's that's so cool because it's it's almost like it's harder to keep track of those things i've found or at least i've seen people not be able to keep track of those things in comics right because you know it's I, don't, I, I, From what I understand about being on a film set, you have people there to like you have script supervisors, you have continuity people there to to make sure that stuff gets in there. But like once you hand it over to the artist, it's all on them to remember to put those details in there. And so it's, it's impressive that you guys are staying on top of those details because it is it is hard. And especially in the like indie comics realm, I, I've talked to a lot of artists for like it, it's hard to remember what all you're supposed to be including page to page if you're not mm-hmm. being reminded of it constantly. Also another thing I'm impressed with is that, Don, you actually asked to draw more by keeping the the um, the briefcase in there. Like that's something that like in a film, like it'd be easier to keep around, but like you have to actually draw that now. I'd have been like, <laughs> yeah, get rid of that thing. So now <laughs> I don't have to draw it every, <laughs> every page now. So I'm very impressed at your commitment to this story and the details in it that you're like, no, we're going to draw this thing that involves lots of perspective and geometry and that'll be something important i yeah but you <laughs> could have gotten rid of it don i'm done yeah, now i'm upset with I, know. You.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know now you tell me yeah. it's like uh me putting pablo the grill on a bicycle it's like oh, it's a pizza delivering gorilla <laughs> and i gotta draw bicycles all the time but yeah it's you know that's that's the thing is the briefcase was well, such an element and it's an iconic image like you know metal briefcase when you see it and you're like you know like and that's in any movies that you guys watch any television show as soon as you see a metal briefcase you're like there's something up with that that's the football it carries all the codes so you know we tend to think of you know objects like that and that's what I was talking to with Aaron when he was uh you know starting out his foray or his journey into congra right and it's like in comics, you know, in, in film they tell you uh, about a page a minute, right? A page mm-hmm. of script is equal to, uh, you know, a minute on screen. And I was like, in comics you can't do that because I've, you know, I've worked with other screenwriters and I've taken one page of script and turn it into 16 pages because, you know, on a page there's so many elements that could be important. You know, it's, it's vital to the story. And so, you know, that Aaron got into that mode where he's like, this object is important to the story. Uh, this particular image that I'm looking at is important to the story, and then you know how do I how do I have a callback to that? Um, and and you know he really took to that. And that's that's the thing that surprised me because you you know there are people that you work with that just don't understand that um, you know how important a callback is, how important like certain references are. Um, and and he really took to that, and I I really appreciated working with him uh, on that level. Uh, you know it was very intimate. Uh, the storytelling, and I feel like you know we we really hashed that and got got a fantastic fantastic books to, put together.
1: Yeah, and I would like to add that you know sometimes you come upon a little happy accidents. I don't know if this is, qualifies as an accident, but you know the, the 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 secret hidden innards of the briefcase becomes a metaphor for the story itself. You know, what's inside, no one knows what's inside the briefcase in the same way that Retro doesn't really know what's, can't remember what's going on with his life and how he's connected to this terrible crime. So, and it's not only just kind of a film war-ish kind of, you know, device, but it also has, you know, it acts as a metaphor for the story itself. In the same way that when you saw the movie Pulp Fiction, you know, they have this uh, briefcase and they open it up and there's this glowing thing Mm -hmm. And They never really go into what's exactly in there, but it's one of those opportunities for you at the end of the movie where you're walking back to your car and you're like it's something for you to discuss with your friends and say hey what do you think was in the briefcase what what you know what was that all about, you know, so I, I think that you know the briefcase there's a little bit of a mystery and it'll be an opportunity to push our curiosity through several issues.
0: So there's there's one more member of the team. We talked about Ellie a little bit, but there's there's Jerome. Um John, did you bring Jerome to the team? Basically, you know, we all kind of know Jerome from his work with with Orange Cone and and, and yeah. Travis gibbs So was that uh was that sort of the connection there?
2: Yeah. So uh Travis is very upset that <laughs> I stole Jerome. <laughs> uh, and he will not stop talking about it. But yeah, I mean I just love his lettering but you know the first time uh i worked with them and he dropped letters on my art i was like this guy is so good more people need to know about him and if i could get him on more projects that's totally what i'm gonna do um so yeah i just you know i love it when you meet people uh, in comics and they just do fantastic incredible things and mm-hmm. you know i just want to see more of them everywhere else uh and i think that's that's a really fun part of what we do um and yeah, and that's that's how it came to be. I just reached out, asked if he would have time to help us out. And uh, and then he was like, yeah, I'll definitely help you out. And we appreciate him jumping on board. And uh, we've already seen his letters and they're, it is solid. I mean, yeah, I he have, just does great work.
1: And I'd like to add, he did a great job because the, the dialogue or the lettering for Retro is not as straightforward as you would think. He's a character who sometimes thinks things in his head and there's like a voiceover, like in noir films, and sometimes he's mumbling things to himself. And so it could be a bit confusing if you didn't have someone uh, with Jerome's caliber of lettering, uh, you know, to the project. So we're lucky to have him.
0: Yeah. So this is the, the Kickstarter for one. I know you guys talked about, um, you know, issue two is sort of in, in, a, in a state of production. Um, are there any thoughts for like how many number of issues that you want this to be I mean it does sound like there's a lot of story that could be told and you 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 know you could come back to it you could expand on things but do you sort of like maybe have like a five issue arc that you're trying to, to tackle and then just sort of give us you know a story but let us know that there's there's more into this world what's what's the plan here
2: um i can talk a little bit about it which is you know aaron and i have discussed it and aaron has mentioned that he's looking at a 12 uh issue maxi series Mm -hmm. Um, but in that obviously we have to break that into arcs because you never know where something is going to go how it's going to end up um so that's that's the overall picture the overall dream is to get to that 12 issues story um and finale but i think aaron in his mind what are you looking at in terms of like the first arc
1: Yeah, so like for me, you know, I sort of see it as three big arcs, you know, four-issue arcs kind Mm -hmm. of in my head. Um, That's the hope anyway. And um, the first arc is basically, (laughs) you know, with time travel, it's kind of interesting. So retro, it's the story of retro figuring out the riddle to his life, understanding his connection to this kid, tracking down the kid, finding who's holding him, you know, who are the bad guys involved with all of this. There's a detective who's trying to solve all these uh, child abduction cases and retro is the prime suspect. A lot of that gets resolved, but maybe in, you know, as like a lot of noir stories, it doesn't go the way we would hope it to. Um, But unlike noir stories, Uh, (laughs) Retro literally has something uh, trick up his sleeve, which is that he has the ability to start it all over again and give it another try. And what can be a lot of fun for an audience is that you can get to know um, a lot of the characters and on the second loop, as Retro goes through it again, the audience members might know who this person is, but Retro really doesn't because his brain's gotten all scrambled up and the further he goes back in time, The more he forgets so different things can happen and it can happen all over again and uh, one of the things that's also kind of fun about these different arcs is that we like playing with the idea with a I love Terry Gilliam uh, films where you're not sure if the person uh, telling the story is uh, mentally ill or if it's reality based or if they're on drugs or if it's real or if it's a dream or if it's real, you know, that kind of a thing. And so we play around with that with Retro too. So one story arc might just be very straightforward, very, you know, uh, hero, villain, you know, straightforward kind of a story. And then the second arc might be more dipping into, wait a minute here, is Retro a reliable storyteller? Is what he's thinking really happening? Or is this something that's just going on in his head? Is it possible that suffers from some mental illnesses? Is he suffering from some form of schizophrenia? You know, those are possibilities. And then there's a, you know, and then the third arc could be even, you know, we get to play around with that even further. We definitely have this ending that we want to get to, that we need to build to, that I'm very excited about. And so we're definitely jerry-rigging the whole story to make sure that we can get to that, to that fun, ending and that reveal if you want to call it that so um don and i have talked a lot about that and what's interesting is that you know certain elements may not seem important in this first arc but i'm like but in arc three they're gonna <laughs> be really important so be sure to include the teddy bear in the shelf on the last page you know and stuff like that so yeah i'm excited about the whole story in the the whole comic book and how it has really opened up the world of retro for Storytelling and, you know, I grew up with a grandfather who was uh, suffering from dementia. So it's a very personal story to me and it's sort of a, something that runs in my family. And so this fear has always been sort of inside of me of losing your, 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 your memories and stuff like that. So it's kind of a, it's very, op- it's, a, it's an opportunity for me to weave my fears um, into this storytelling and, to, tell, and to, to sort of use it to work through some of the issues that, that I've been feeling. And the another thing that's kind of interesting that we sort of came upon that's kind of interesting to me is that we live in a world right now of right and wrong and heroes and villains, especially politically and religions and all those things. Everyone's way over here, way over here on this side. And Don and I don't think that the world is quite that simple. And we really wanna tell a story that isn't black and white, but more of shades of gray. And and I think that that's an important story to be telling right now. That even, you know, the heroes are not 100% heroes and the villains are not 100% villains. There's We have a really great villain named Zipko who, I love and a lot of people love and he's a great guy but he's terrible you know so and I, and I think that it's important to remember that we live in a world that isn't just one way or another that, 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 that and it's important for all of us to be able to remember that we to be able to see things from another point of view so that's another theme and I think it's exciting to be able to tell that story as Don has artistically in shades of gray so that's kind of fun yeah
0: so um, I think I'm going to uh, shift the, the focus of the interview over to crowdfunding, but I want to make sure that I don't leave the story aspect before Noah, if, if, in case Noah has like one more question or two questions or anything like that.
3: Yeah, I'm just curious about Don, like, you know, what, what, your, what your work um, pace looks like with pages? Are you someone that, you know, because like, there's a lot of detail in this book, clearly you've got to on the story level and on the art level do you do like, you know, are, are you someone that sort of like does like, you know, cause you're doing, you're all digital, right? Yeah. Are you someone that sort of does like a first pass on the page? Like lets it sit and then go back in and like, okay, maybe I can tweak this a little bit. Or are you able to like, it's done moving on? Like what what's your pace like when it comes to creating art?
2: Uh, I don't know. There's, there's no set pace for me. It just depends on where I'm at. Uh, usually I'm, Maybe I'm doing it wrong, but I, I usually have like three projects going on at the same time. Uh, but yeah, for this one, you know, it, it's kind come, of, it comes down to thumbnails um, and then, you know, Aaron and I will review the thumbnails and if it's a go, it goes into fine pencils and then I take it to inks. Um, you know, other projects, for example, you know, I recently funded with Battle Grapple Rebel with Michael Tanner. And the overcast comics group and that one i only did pencils on i didn't take care of the inks i didn't do any of the colors of the letters or that so that was hands-off whereas you know like pablo the gorilla i do everything on that um so you know it, it's a process it takes varying amounts of time um and to say you know i get a page a day i could do a page a day but that sometimes that's not what's needed and i'm open you know to edits and to criticism and to critique and to go back and change it until we get it right. And I feel like you know we've gotten a lot of it right here uh, for the right now. And I really hope people will take to it and enjoy what we've done. Yeah.
0: Cool. So um, Don, you're a you know a veteran of Kickstarters at you know various levels. You know, part of a book. You know, penciler on a book. Aaron, had you had any um, uh, experience? So. Uh, You're shaking your head now. So Don, did you sort of have to um, lead him through, um, you know, did you, I, you know, we all sort of look at Kickstarters and sort of, you know, take pieces that we think are cool and sort of, you know, use those as the the bricks to build our own. Um, So how did that all go?
2: Um, I would say, you know, we sat down. Uh, as you would do with any team and just discuss what we want to see in the project. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, this is Aaron's very first time as a creator on Kickstarter uh, with me as his collaborator, we wanted to try to start out as slim as possible. So for us, the primary goal of this is not only to produce the book uh, and, you know, the variant cover as well, but also to get uh, Ellie and Jerome paid Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Aaron and I aren't taking a cut of this. Whatever overage we have, you know, after production costs, after shipping costs, and taking care of our team, hopefully we'll be able to take that nugget and roll it over into the next issue so that we have a little bit of a buffer and that, you know, we can we can have a smaller ask uh, going into the next thing. Because, I, you know, as you guys know, every campaign is different. Uh, you know, if you work on a team, not all the teams are the same. You never know what a team member is or is not going to do or, you know, what you can depend uh, on them for, for a Kickstarter. And you don't necessarily have to depend on the person. So you try to do the best that you can. So for us, it was basically to try to be as minimal as possible while still offering value, uh, you know, for any backers coming on board. So we want to make sure people get the book, uh, get it in a timely manner, hopefully Uh, no, no production delays or uh, hopefully, um, you know, supply chain issues as we've unfortunately experienced it over the last year and a half, two years. Um, and then, yeah, just, you know, the ultimate goal is just to get it out in the world for people to enjoy and then hopefully get positive feedback and build that into the next, next campaign. Um, but yeah, I think Aaron and I, I don't know if he agrees, but we, we really sat down try to figure it out and try to keep it as lean as possible. And then we have one very special tier, which, uh, you know, we, we have it in there. Just uh to to humor, but hopefully uh you know somebody reaches out and considers it, which is we have a five thousand tier, five thousand dollar tier, which is super crazy. Uh I don't personally have any friends with deep pockets like that. (laughs) But the idea is to have an experience with the creative team where you will get to come with us, watch the short film with Reno, and then talk to us about the creative process and enjoy some libation and, uh, you know, commiserate over the project and what it took to get there and, you know, have some good food, hopefully.
0: Very cool.
1: Yeah. And you can pitch your uh, screenplay to Reno.
2: Uh, Oh, he did open. I I didn't know if he was open to that idea. That's a lie.
3: I I saw that on the Kickstarter. You can't, you you have that on there. Ah, you're trying to trap us. You're trying to get my $5,000. I see how it is. (laughs) (laughs) $5,000.
1: Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I, you know, this is the first time that I created my own Kickstarter project. Um, Obviously I've funded a bunch of projects and I've seen them as they progressed. And it's kind of interesting to, to see, you know, the different, you know, some people seem to have a real easy time raising their money on Kickstarter and other people just grind away and grind away. And it's a real struggle. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, I think that, you know, I was lucky to partner up with Don, who's had a lot of history with Kickstarter and has a, a, a good mind for marketing and um, knows the steps that it takes to have a successful campaign. And it's been a, a, you know, it's been great to, to learn and it's exciting to see it grow. And, we're getting you know at first it was scary because you just don't know if people are going to take to it you know and um right now we're pretty close right don i feel like we're like a little over 800 away from reaching our goal and so i'm I'm beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel might be a little pinprick but it's very exciting to to see and it's so much fun to feel like you're part of a community of people who support each other. You know, the comic book community is really great because there's a lot of honest to goodness friends who are there to support you and are willing to be backers and help each other. We've all been in this boat before. And I think that it's, you know, it's fun to meet up at cons and see each other and grab a beer. And it's also great to have the support to live an artistic life, to, to tell these stories You know, I think it's important that as storytellers that we get an opportunity to do it. And so we're sort of helping each other, you know, with our dreams. I think it's great.
0: Nice. And Don, were you able to sort of uh, be the voice of reason and maybe say, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to have a rush at the, at the beginning. And then, you know, in the middle, it's going to sort of, you know, we have the, the dreaded dead zone where you're like, does anybody hear me? Were you able to, from experience go, everything's, everything's fine. This is how they, these things normally go. There's a rush, there's a dead period and then there's another rush at the end.
2: Uh, yeah. I feel like I, hopefully, I don't know if Aaron, you no, agree yeah, yeah. that it I, I, like I prepared you for spinning, this. Where everything's
1: <laughs> fast and it's looking great. It takes off like a rocket and then you hit the dead zone and then at the end you have like 72 hours to finally come in and get all make all your money
0: yeah Yeah.
2: so aaron aaron's obviously heard my my speech and if anybody out there listening to this if you get a chance uh, and i happen to be on a, a crowdfunding panel or you know if you see me post about crowdfunding panels Uh, with any of my friends such as matt and noah here uh you know or for example uh you know david Peppos or david abalone or you know david schrader there's a lot of davids uh you know christy shin there's a ton of us that are doing this we are part of a fantastic community and we appreciate you know all the help and the advice that we've gotten and i couldn't do it without you know people like you guys who have you know been there to give advice uh to, to dole out your sagacity your wisdom your knowledge. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it's one of those things where if you do it enough, if you've been part of enough projects, you get to see some of the patterns of behavior. And the only thing you can do, cause you never know, it's not guaranteed. You know, they, what are they to say about 40% of Kickstarters fail? Uh, and it's okay to fail too. Uh, but you, all you can do is just try to prepare the best that you can, mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and take that advice and heed it. Uh, and more, more often than not, just learn what the pitfalls are and then just try to brace yourself. For the worst to possibly happen um, and then hope for the best. And don't be
1: scared to work hard trying to earn that money and to, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it has to be grinding out the emails to your friends and family and appealing to them or sharing stuff on social media or tapping into any other avenues that you have. You know, I think that um, in the old days, well, I don't know what the old days were, but you know, in this day and age, if you want to succeed in this kind of a way, I think you have to be willing to roll up your sleeves and really take part in the marketing side of things mm-hmm. in a way that a lot of creators probably in the old days didn't really want to. And maybe it's not their forte. Well, tough. You better make it your forte because that's just how it works these days.
0: Yeah. So this has been a lot of fun. You know, the, the story sounds amazing. I'm really excited to get my hands on issue one and 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 going forward um but let's uh, let's let's do this as we close up you know we've talked a little bit about it and and aaron you were able to give us the elevator pitch at the beginning but we're gonna flip the script and we'll let uh don give us the uh, the elevator pitch as as we close up here
2: i think we lost you for a second but if you're asking for an elevator pitch for me like i said earlier it is essentially Jason Bourne, if any of you guys have watched, you know, for example, the Bourne Identity movies, if you enjoyed that, it's Jason Bourne meets Looper, which is a time travel story. Uh, It's also very much akin to Taken, which is, you know, a story about what a father is willing to go, uh, what a parent is willing to go to, and the lengths that they're willing to go to for their family. Uh, Meets Memento, which is a story about just a person who wakes up in a fugue state and their mind is completely fractured. And then you throw in a little bit of time traveling for that. So yeah, that's our story essentially, which is just, we have a man who wakes up with just fragments of his memory, just slivers. And he's just trying to piece his life together and trying to get back as much as he can. And he knows there's a child involved and somehow there's a really grisly crime involved. (laughs) Uh, And he just navigates his way through. And the only other thing he knows is he has a device embedded in his arm, which allows him to travel back in short increments uh, of time and uh, allow it to kick a little butt along the way.
0: Awesome. And and Don, let people know where they can follow you online. And uh, you know, certainly to stay up to date with this, but you know, you're gonna have you know more projects that, that we need to know about it in the future. So where's the best place to, to follow you online? Okay. Well first off
2: I just want to say please come find us at whoisretro.com. That's all together whoisretro.com. And then I have the most common Vietnamese last name, which is Win. It's spelled N as in Nancy, G-U-Y, like the word guy. E as in Eddie, N as in Nancy. You add I-N-G-I-T to that, and you got winning it. (laughs) And I can be found on almost all social media platforms under that name. Please come join me on Twitter or on Instagram where I'm usually super active. Um, And yeah, just look forward to some of the projects coming out. We got this coming out, Battle Grapple Rebel, which funded a few months ago, should be available at San Diego Comic-Con. So if you're attending conventions, uh, next up for me is San Diego Comic-Con. Please come find me. I'll be at HH03 or HHO next to the amazing Carl Altstetter. Down a few tables from the amazing David Mack, and then I'll also be at C2E2 in Chicago. I just got into that, and then uh, uh, later on in the year is uh, Baltimore Con, which I'm slated to be at.
0: Nice. Well, no one. I will definitely see you at Baltimore. We have we have a table there, so that, that'll All be right. fun to catch up with you. Uh, so, so Aaron, you know we, we we know about the the who is retro. You know we're going to put that in the in the show notes to make it as easy as possible for people to go check out the the story and the kickstarter but where's the best place to to follow you online
1: so on instagram and twitter i am mr jump cut mr jump cut and that is my instagram and twitter and you can find me on facebook under my name aaron lindenthaler that's basically it
0: very cool. Well, links, you know, as I said, links to the to the Kickstarter, most importantly, are going to be there. Links to the social media will be there. But uh, guys, let's pencil in you guys coming back and talking to us about a, an issue, too. in you know, in a couple of months here, because um, the story just sounds really, really amazing. And, you know, when you do the, the elevator pitch, and you keep combining all those movies that I like. It, it gets me, uh, you know, super excited for, for the book
2: yes glad to hear it and thank you so much for having us on you guys always put together a fantastic show we really appreciate the time
1: yeah thank you so much for just giving us the opportunity to tell our story to the audience and to you guys and to go into it in a way that is kind of fun i I love those you know behind the scene uh, documentaries that you see in movies and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so this is kind of like a you know a director's commentary you know with Don, the artist, and me, the writer. So this has been a lot of fun. So thank you for giving us the opportunity.
0: Thank you. Um, so for anybody listening, if you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you you use, we'd really appreciate it. There's also going to be a Kickstarter link for Superior Sam, Everybody Needs a Home. Uh, that's a book that Noah and I are part of. Uh, I'm part of it as the co-publisher, and Noah is part of it as the letterer of the book. So there's going to be a uh, podcast link there if you want to follow the podcast we're on social media and that is at uh, twitter is at construct pod, instagram is constructing comics pod and facebook is constructed comics just like to thank everybody for listening please be safe be nice to each other and go out there and make some comics thank you